All right. Welcome to another edition of the Hack Attack and the Pharaoh podcast. We have a very special guest today, Latoya Cameron. Thank Hello. you for joining us. Of course. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. We are waiting on our special guest, Hack Attack, or our special host, Hack Attack. <laughs> He's usually the heart of the program. He usually starts everything off. And then I interject here and there when he gets a little off the rails. Um, is our is our you know, MO uh, thus far. And we've done 10 episodes and that's usually how it works, but he is on his way here. He just got done with some school stuff and he should be here momentarily, but this is interesting. So as an actor, I am interested to know, cause we've talked about this on a couple episodes. What is your clock as far as arrival times? Oh, like to the space. Yeah. Or to anything or to anything. I mean, it's nice to be there, at least for me, 10 minutes, 15 minutes early. Okay. Just to kind of like get there, because I innately just have like my own anxieties always going into anything. I always just have to kind of take a moment for myself to get rooted and grounded when I'm in any space. And then sure. when I finally feel like I'm ready to like step into it. I'm not doing it like right at the time I'm supposed to be there. And not just... walking in, dropping your bags, taking your right. coat off and let's do this. <laughs> right, exactly. But I will, I mean, I, I'm not gonna lie. Like there have been occasions where I'm like running so like behind where I don't get to do that. And because sure. of parking or whatever, or unexpected things happen. Exactly. Happens. So that I come yeah. running in, I'm like, I'm anxious and I just barely made it. And like, let's work. But then it's like all hyper and weird and awkward. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So Hack Attack has the clock of five minutes after is on time. Oh. He's perpetually late to things. You know what? I get which, that too. <laughs> which was a lot of fun at the ATP. <laughs> you know, the actor training program at the University of Utah for our listeners that we haven't explained that to. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, he was perpetually late. He had it timed door to door, 45 minutes. He used to live in Park City. So he'd time it and he'd be like, I got 45 minutes, not planning for any of those, you know, um, occasions that come about or mm -hmm. traffic hits or um, accidents, you know, parking, not planning for that. You know, he planned for everything when it's perfect. Right. Well, so. you, you could have uh, some you can have find some difficulties finding some parking, especially in the parking lot. You're like, ah, oh, you can even get there early and still end up be like running late because there's just nothing there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially so, at the U, you know, the University of Utah, because you've been around, you know, Pioneer oh, yeah. and finding parking around there is a nightmare. Yes. It's almost like a comedic joke where you're like, I, I'm here 20 minutes early and I'm gonna be late. <laughs> no, I don't have a pass. <laughs> judge yeah exactly um so what let's just dive right in um i'm not going to go with the uh, all encompassing who is latoya cameron we'll break it down into little little segments but tell us tell us what you do what what is it that your passion is that you do for a living i like to think of myself as um an artist and a storyteller um in just in stories. Oh, has some Wait, arrived. Hold on just one second. I yeah. gotta make sure I didn't lock the front door. 
I'm gonna have to edit that part and put in some like Jeopardy music. <laughs> do, 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 do. Dead air. We had dead air, but now Jason Hack Attack Hackney is here. We love it. <laughs> we love it. We're going. We thought it would be fun. It's a good part of the show. All right. So you want the intro? <laughs> we, we did that. Well, I had a La- whole... Latoya was. You have a whole thing. Do it. Latoya, hello. Well, yes. Hi. I mean, as aforementioned, this is the Hack Attack and Feral podcast. I'm the Hack Attack. I'm a former radio DJ with uh, a defunct show because of COVID. And with me is my Feral, my co-host, illustrious, sexy, very handsome, great jawline. A uh, hell of an actor in his own right and a former miscreant and current scallywag. But with us in studio, well, with us now across Zoom, the lovely Latoya Cameron, a uh, formidable actress in her own right, I understand. What is up? Hello. Yeah. Hello. You know, it's a beautiful day today. I can't complain about that. You're here in Salt Lake. I'm in Salt Lake. Mm-hmm. Oh, my. yeah. It's like 70. This is unbelievable. Yeah. It's so glorious. So I've done some research on you oh it's you who seems glorious yes. <laughs> man so to catch us all up everyone who's listening yes all three of you this is a, a <laughs> an incredible local they all actress. love us though we we only we have a few listeners but they do love us so they're obsessed something. they're obsessed <laughs> no we're we're underplaying ourselves we at least have four so latoya is an incredible local actress and what but it looks like uh, yes, what it looks like is you have done a lot. You have been all over the place. But what interested me about you was that it started with humble origins because you were a shy kid. You were a quiet kid. You didn't think you had this in you or rather your your middle school theater teacher didn't think you had this in you. And theater has drawn you out of yourself. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Yeah, it was. I mean, when you grow up in a uh, in beautiful or any space, you know, like any place that you grow up in, um, I just was I just was a shy person. You know, it was really hard for me to um, feel included in a lot of spaces. Um, not only because I'm uh, just innately shy, but also as a black woman or a black little girl. You know, not yeah. seeing a lot of people who reflect you besides your own family is something that you know makes you a little bit more. Um, just pers- like your perspective or or your sight of everything is just kind of a little bit different. Yeah. Um, and so I drew in a lot um, within like my own imagination and stuff. Um, but I always loved the movies. I always loved movies. Mm. My family is a big cin- cinema, like cinema people. Cinema cinematic. is that what? Cinematic. There's the word. Thank you. Cinematic, cinematic people. Um, so we enjoyed watching movies and stuff like that. So um, and I fell in love with uh, Forrest Gump. Oh. It was that like that little ending always hit me so hard. Yeah. Or he's going um, to sit there all day waiting for waiting for his kid. Yeah. You know, yeah. like or even that moment where they meet each other and uh-huh. like he asks the simplest question. And it is he OK me. or is he like me? Yeah. Or is he like me? Oh, and it, these and I moments. Oh, it made me it hit me so hard. And I didn't understand how someone or something like that could hit me like that <laughs> intensely as a kid. And I was like, I want to do that. But I was shy, you know, so then um, I watched also uh, Baz Luhrmann's interpretation of Romeo and Juliet. Oh, and I was like, Juliet. Sure. Right. Like, come on. And so it just like hit me again where I'm like, I want to be doing that. So How old were you when you were being influenced by these films? 
like, oh, when did Forrest Gump come out? Like 1994 or something? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, so I'm not going to age myself, but. <laughs> you were, you were <laughs> but a, I was a young child girl. <laughs> seven and 14. Yes. And then R&J, like I, uh, I was like 14 probably. Wow. Um, so I, I remember sitting in uh, my math class and the math teacher was also the drama teacher. And I just stopped her one day and she didn't really know who was talking. She kind of looked around like, who's, who's saying anything? And I was like, it's like me in that cartoon, like tugging on the teacher's shirt or whatever. Be like, it's me. Um, but I was like, I would love to be in your drama class. And she was like, you really want to do that? And I was Math like, yes. teacher also doubled as the- Doubled as the drama as the teacher. theater teacher. Yeah. Really? Yes, I know. Trust me. It was now I'm understanding that it's a little strange, but, or not. It's also awesome. But, um, yeah and i she was like i don't think you'd really be into that and i was like i'll fake cry because i've been practicing you know like holding <laughs> my eyes open yes day. i was like just leave your eyes open and that's how they cry in, in the movies um, <laughs> that's all there is to so, it really that's, that's it. all you know i can do it so i was ready and she was just kind of taken back like what is this who is this girl like i've never i mean i've met you but not you like this and um she said let me think about it she said please god don't do that and then she said let me think about it and i'll come back to you and so eventually she came back to me and said wow. yeah i'll let she you had to think she had to think about it she had to take she you did. in yeah because she was like I, I mean i was like when i say shy it was like painfully shy like adrian I, from rocky shy to use another cinematic reference what kind of shit yeah probably even more so worse oh, than wow. that why you know, so so you you said that you wait know, where just real quick where did you grow up exactly? she's from caseville caseville utah did you do your research i did i didn't come across <laughs> that place, so. <laughs> so you know you said you were shy painfully shy yeah and you say partly because you were the only were you the only black girl in school uh, besides my other sister, there's like maybe her or maybe one other person. So maybe so three. Or you were aware of that, obviously. Oh, yeah. But mm -hmm. what else produces shyness in you? Was it just your personality? Was it things that happened to you? What? Personality. I mean, I was bullied a lot, too. Oh, really? So, what? oh, yeah. Um, oh, man. My hair was different. My, oh, my skin. God. Like, it was, it's like, the case smells dope. And also, it's like, it's very, has its very heavy racist. Uh, you, were race, you were racially bullied as a kid? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Harshly. What would they say? Probably stuff I can't say on, oh, you know, the first time that I was ever called the N word was in elementary no. school. No oh, yeah. way. Yeah. Do you, uh, do you recall the names of any of these kids? And, and maybe we <laughs> Actually, can find some addresses. And I do How can remember. How eviscerate them on media? <laughs> I know. I'm like, I don't remember everyone's names, but I do remember one specific kid. His name is Ziggy. We called him Ziggy. <laughs> Ziggy. And he actually was there when it happened, and he could tell how I was hugely affected by it in, in shock. And he went up to the teacher and told on that person. Nice. In behalf. And he was like, I he was like, that's so wrong. And he was like, you don't have to take anything like that. So we're fans of Ziggy. In we're fans of Ziggy. Ziggy, Ziggy nice. was the first probably ally I've ever encountered in my Ziggy's life. The man. Sorry, we've got we've got Jason's dog Perth with us. <gasps> Hi, doggy. Yeah, well, my I dog. Have a puppy, and you know he's been sick all day and subdued until now. <laughs> and now he's hey. digging at I the prefer him mat. more febrile and flu like. Uh, <laughs> now he's you know clawing away at something, but yeah. it's not my house, so I'm at peace with it. Right, <laughs> living his uh, life. <laughs> Live your life, doggy. So 
you were shy as a kid mm-hmm. and theater what was the first so, so tell me about that first moment that really clicked for you so oddly enough the teacher who let me into the class didn't teach anymore um and so it was a new drama teacher and so she gave everybody um all the girls in the class at the time uh bernard bernard shaw joe saint joan monologue and then um all the boys a different monologue from um oh what was it uh glass menagerie and I remember memorizing it and stuff because I, I didn't know exactly what I was doing. I just kind of was like, what they do in the films, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, you just like emote and just do things. Right. So um, she asked on the day that we were going to perform the monologues who wanted to go. And I was scared out of my mind watching everybody being amazing um, and me being like, I don't know what I'm doing. And why did I say that I was wanted to be in this class? And so <laughs> I was like, why what did I, I get myself into? Right. So then um, I remember sitting there, she goes, who wants to go next? And I don't remember my hand shooting up into the air, like I wanted to go. And my body was kind of doing it, it for me while inside I was like, what is happening? I'm moving and I, I'm not trying to do this. And I remember getting up there and kind of like taking notes from watching other people, like how they yeah. take their moment and close their eyes and get into sure. character. Um, and I did all those things and then I just started to speak. And that moment of doing that monologue, it empowered my voice in a way that I didn't know I had already. Uh Um, And hearing myself through that character changed me. Wow. Immediately. And I remember sitting down and being like, oh, wow, that's, that's my voice. That's incredible. And that was the moment I was like, this is maybe something I should keep pursuing. Wow. So it, it was St. Joan, you said? Yeah, St. Joan. Mm-hmm. Do you That's remember awesome. the monologue? Um, I won't ask oh, you to do it. I'm not one of those guys. It's <laughs> the one where she's talking to the council, and I think they, um, I think she's telling them, like, just put me to death. Like, being locked wow, away yeah. from everything is worse than death, you know? So, do your worst. Right, do your worst. And mm-hmm. that monologue, I was like, it was so empowering and knowing that St. Joan has always been an um, uh, image that I've always resonated with, with the strength that she has and wow. being so young and doing yeah. that monologue at that same kind of age range. Ooh, it was like, just like a lightning bolt of like, wow. holy cow, this is- Something clicked. This, yeah, clicked So how, you were how old when this went down? 14. 14. Mm-hmm. And what was the first show you were in then as a result of this? <laughs> um, the worst, was it the worst or best Christmas pageant ever? Is that the name? <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, what is it what called? Is that one? The best, uh, what is it called? The whole title, oh. the worst Christmas pageant ever or the best? I can't remember, but it's, it it's that. Okay. Who, who it's were you? One. I was like the old woman who... <laughs> <laughs> who was totally against the program, who was like, no, we shouldn't be doing this. And da, 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 da. Um, and then at the end is like so moved by it. She's like, oh, I always wanted this play to happen. And this is amazing. Ah, yeah. Weather. Yes. So how, how did it feel when you did that? When you first stepped on the stage, what do you remember? I remember thinking, please don't let me forget these lines. 
because I don't want to let anyone down. That was your, oh, you're nervous. <laughs> I was nervous out of my mind. How was mind. the stage fright? I mean, you were new to this. This was a novel experience. Yeah. How was the stage fright? Oh, intense. I still deal with it today. You are, so I was going to ask, are you still shy? Would you call yourself a shy person? Yes, I would. Um, now I have better tools to know how to work mm -hmm. through it, but I still am. People think that's so ironic to find that a lot of actors are shy or yeah. inward or yeah. sometimes sort of like the, the, the sad clown, right? A lot of comedians have yeah. sort of a, a tragedy or sadness to them, but we get it, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. It, it's sort of you're finding a way to use that muscle in, other, in, in ways that it sometimes just isn't in other parts of your life. Yeah. I remember, I remember equating it to when I played football. I'd always be really nervous until the first hit and then I'd be mm. fine. But it's kind of like being on here or on stage, you know, being nervous right up until you say those first words or, yeah. right. you know, you finally step out and you're in the show. Or if you were a comedian, you know, that first laugh, that first wave of laughter from the audience, like, oh, right. this is going great. Yes. So it's what happened for you then? So you were in this, what was the name of the Christmas show? The <laughs> I'm like, I want to look it up now. You would think yeah, I remember. Um, what happened then? How did the trajectory of your theater career go from then? From then, what, 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 was, what, what then happened? Well, I loved it. I mean, I, it was so fun to work on something with a bunch of people. You know, being a person who was shy, I had like friends, um, but it was always hard to make friends. Mm. And so being in that environment really created a, an opportunity to, you know, step outside of myself and get to know everybody, you know, and understand that, you know, most people are probably going through a similar kind of situation of being shy or, or being yeah. bullied or what have you, that we can come to a common space and explore and play for at least, you know, what junior high is like, what, 30 minutes or something, you <laughs> right. know, before you have to go somewhere else. But it was like, a, it felt very, um, the beginnings of feeling a little bit freer to open up to other people. Um, yeah. So I, I was, uh, really like it made me focus too of like well how can i continue on doing this and see if it's something that i want to do um because i was i feel like an old I, I feel like my younger latoya was always like a little bit an old person you know <laughs> the um, old soul the old soul of being like what now oh i see this is working well how can i continue to make this work you know instead of being like a kid who's like oh cool let's just play you know i was like <laughs> play time means focus time <laughs> <laughs> as i raise my glasses but oh, um wow. yes but like yeah that's uh after that i was like well how can i do this in high school you know that was my next question so what happened in high school where that grows well i took a little detour <laughs> and um did some cheerleading, which was, Whoa! I know, Factory. which you, you're not you know, shy. What is oh. all this shit about being shy? Come I on. loved, you know, the arts. I realized like the arts are, are something I really loved. And so it's an art. It's like, it's dancing, you know, I was like, Oh, I, I like to dance. So I get to dance and yeah. stuff, but Ooh, you know, as they say, uh, what is it? A zebra can't change their stripes. 
So <laughs> I was still super shy. And like all the jock guys were like, what's up, Latoya? And I was like, hi. <laughs> I was like, uh, don't, please don't talk to me. Please <laughs> I don't, don't know talk what to, to say. Me. Did you do a chin wave? Hi. <laughs> yes, but it was more of like doe-eyed and like, hi. <laughs> um, and they were like, okay, you're weird. And I was like, I am. <laughs> so weird, um, cool. We'll weird, cool. We're cool. Weird, weird is cool. So I, uh, but I was like, I want to still do, you know, theater and stuff. I want to try to make it work. And of course, like high school cheerleading is no joke. They take that oh, so yeah. seriously. And I was like, I just wanted to dance um, and wear the uniforms and kind of get outside of myself. And that didn't work. Um, How long so, did you do that for? Oh, I did that for what? two semesters and then just really really hard stuff happened in my life and um, where my grades dropped and i got kicked off to oh, be honest what? You, yeah you got kicked uh, off of the cheerleading squad yeah mm -hmm. wow want to tell us what happened yeah uh well my parents got a divorce sure. so yeah and happens. that hit that happens and it, it's as you're a teenager it hits you in a really 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 intense space mm. and oh yeah you would think that um you know, a high school cheerleading uh, coach would understand that, and they did not. <laughs> they want the best from you, Latoya. They were like, yeah. we know you're going through a hard time, but your grades need to be here. Da, da, da. I was like, you understand that I'm going through a hard time, but no, you but, don't really actually care. <laughs> okay, yeah, we're, we're not, we're not going to do anything about it. Operative yeah. word is but. Good luck, kid. Ex However. Exactly. Those butts come. They hit you hard, man. But oh, yeah. So what do you do um, then? So they, so you, you get kicked out the cheerleading kicked squad. Kicked out the cheer squad. You're lost. And you're hurt. You're confused. Well, it's weird because I was like, I actually was relieved because yeah. I was still grappling with trying to make theater and cheer work. And they were like, you can't do both. And I was like, but I want to really? do I wanted to theater still, you know? And so when that happened, I felt like, oh, okay. Well, then there's no question that I can just, you know, go into focusing on theater again. So I uh, auditioned for the one act festival that was being held Ooh. and I got into one of the plays. Nice. So, and that Thank kind you. of opened me up to meeting um, the drama teacher. Can I say their name? Yeah. Call Andrew, Andrew Thorne. Um, she, I remember uh, meeting her and I remember her saying, because um, I was also in her intermediate acting class. And I did my first like Shakespeare monologue ever in front of of that class. And she was like, she always looked at me like, you're doing a Shakespeare monologue for your first monologue, like for our monologue section. And most people are picking like random, you know, stuff like you do in high school. And I was like, no, I want to do Shakespeare. <laughs> she was <laughs> go like, for, go for the throat. Huh. Yeah. Exactly. And she was like, what do you know? Like the look of like, what do you know about Shakespeare? And I was like, I watched R&J, Baz Lerman's, <laughs> you know, so I know Shakespeare. <laughs> So I did the monologue and um, and she, the note that she said, she said, I'll see you at advanced theater auditions. Wow, look at you. And I was like, oh, wow, like, okay, okay. So um, I auditioned for advanced theater my junior year, got into the class and did that for my junior and senior year. And um, Andra is like a huge, huge influence of why I'm still doing it today because- What's her name? She, Andra Thorne. Okay. She's incredible. Cool. Shout out. So you continue to be in plays and really go for it in high school. 
Yeah. And it was actually, actually high school was the first time I ever did my first musical. Oh, what was it? It was West Side Story. West Side nice Story. Yeah. Were you a fun. shark or were you a jet? Oh, you know, I was a shark. Oh, <laughs> we're in Utah, man. <laughs> damn. True. Okay. So tell me about college. What happened beyond SUU, right? SUU. Well, it's funny because actually it started in high school. Um, yeah, I went to SUU. And the reason why I went there was because they do the um, well, SUU, Southern Utah University for all the exactly. people listening. Yeah, go T Birds. Um, the T Birds? The T Birds. Thunderbirds? Yes. Or is it Thunderbirds? Y'all well, that, see what, that that's short for Thunderbirds. Oh, yes, yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yeah. Wow. Good old, good old Cedar City. Um that. But that was I never even knew Cedar City existed until we went to the high school Shakespeare competition that Utah oh, Shakespeare yeah. Festival throws or puts together every October for high schools. And um I went my junior year and I was like, I gotta get I gotta be in the monologues, um, compete in the monologues because I want to get that scholarship. Because wow. like I didn't come from a very wealthy family. Um, and scholarships were gonna be the only way I was gonna get into college, you know. So I spent my summer looking and researching Shakespeare monologues to find the right one that fits me. And then at Davis High is where I went. Um, we do a night of Shakespeare where judges will come in and they judge who can go and represent Davis High. So I got picked for the monologues, went to the Shakespeare competition, competed and got first place and got the scholarship. No. Nice. Yeah. What? Yeah. And then I she got to work with T. Off. Anthony Murata. <laughs> I did later on. I love Anthony Murata. Um, he really, really pushed me, which I really, really appreciated um, because he really saw the potential in students and wanted to make sure that we reached those potentials. Because sometimes like in, you know, theater, sometimes can become whimsical a little bit and like, oh, you're going like, da, 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 you know, like, whatever. Sometimes he was very disciplined and instilled in me like a disciplinary approach to theater that um, sometimes uh, other people didn't. And so I really, really appreciated him and his, yeah. um, his classes. So how's that work ethic of yours? Pretty, pretty solid. Ah, you know what? It has taken me some time to loosen up, to be real. Loosen up. <laughs> yes. Cause I'm loose and easy. Loose and easy and free and, and stuff. Because like I was like, after college, you know, when you go into the world of theater, um, it's not like college, you know? No. And uh it took me a while to kind of really understand that. Hold on. Because I was like, you... no, I'm... oh, go ahead. Did you major in theater? I did. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, majored in theater, acting, You've and gone directing. all the way down the line here. I yeah. did. I who knew it like opened like I kid you not that monologue in fourteen year old girl was fairly focused and knew exactly what she wanted. I think Bam. we need to. I think we need to attribute Forrest Gump to all this. Thanks, and Forrest. Baz <laughs> and Baz, Baz Lerman. Baz. Yeah, good old Baz. <laughs> good old Baz. <laughs> good old Baz. Which I um, like Baz. Me too. Kyle, can you imagine? Actually, can we let's talk about your name? You have a cool ass name, girl, Latoya. Tell me all Thank about you. that. Well, originally it was flowers when it comes to names. <laughs> Thanks, mom, personally, because <laughs> my dad wanted to name me Irene, actually. Irene. Yeah. Something like, like a hurricane. It's horrible. 
Right? I, I mean, I, hmm. Latoya's got flair. Latoya has flair. Well, oh. my dad, <laughs> my dad was overseas because um, he was, was serving. Um, and uh, my mom gave birth during the time. And she was like, I'm not naming you Irene. And she named me Latoya instead. <laughs> He's not here. I'm naming you. He's not here. I was like, thank you, mom. Thank you. So uh, that's where. Is that a family name? It is not. No, I think honestly, when people make this, I'm going to say stupid and obvious joke, joke of being like, oh, like Latoya Jackson. I'm like, ah, ha, ha. but they're not lying. That's it is because of Latoya Jackson. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Like Latoya Jackson. I hate this is a thing. I'll be honest, did not make that connection. <laughs> Thank um, you. You're the first. <laughs> I dig I that. I don't know what that says about me, but <laughs> he's slow. I'm slow. He's... No, that I'm an original. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love so it. I I have a quick or a segue real quick, because we we're talking about, you know, people that we know, because I, I went to University of Georgia and took classes with T. Anthony Murata. Um, so I got to have him for, you know, two and a half years. That was amazing. Mm. And um, he was actually my thesis advisor. So that was fun. Nice. But so theater being a small world, when I was when I was researching, I did do some research. Mm. Have you heard of a site called About the Artists? Oh, Lord, no. Oh, Latoya Cameron like... is on there. Well, you don't even About know the this? artists. No, no. And at the bottom of the site, they have a little uh, it's not really a cookie, but they have a button there where you can trace Latoya Cameron's six degrees of separation from current Emmy nominees. What? Yes. So I wanted to check this out. I wanted to see how accurate this was. <laughs> and I'm going to mispronounce this, this guy's last name. I know I am. But Jim Poulos? Palos? Pulos? Pulos. P-O-U-L-O-S? Yeah. You know him? Yeah. Okay. So Latoya Cameron worked with him, worked with Jim, mm. who worked with Jessica Bovers, who took over for Jermaine, uh, Wilson Jermaine Heredia, who worked with Sterling K. Brown, who is wow. the current Emmy nominee. Well, I'll and be then damned. and then <laughs> we can trace her line to Don Cheadle. Don Cheadle. Her, line, her proud line. Her proud Don line Cheadle. to Don Cheadle. <laughs> so Brian Vaughn who you've worked with, mm -hmm. worked with a guy named Steve Pickering, uh -huh. who then worked with Don Cheadle. What? Uh, I know all these six degrees. Of, six and degrees they, Don. And you can do it. You can trace it to Eugene Levy, Rachel Brosnan. I always pronounce her name wrong, uh, but the lady from Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Yeah. And then Christina Applegate, um, Mahershala Ali, Alan Arkin. Alan Arkin. I know you're I mean, like I... you're you're only steps removed from these people. So like, basically, I, I I need to start making some phone calls. Pretty soon, <laughs> pretty soon, I think people are going to be tracing it back to how do they know you? Six right? degrees like, of separation like, from Latoya camera. camera. Like how oh, close goodness. are you to Latoya camera? Yeah, that would exactly. be what a trip that would be. <laughs> I just want to talk about some of your favorite shows, and, and you know, I, I saw I watched that KUED interview with you. And you were talking about how a lot of these roles have educated you and taught you a lot about yourself. What are some of those roles? Oh, standouts for you. Standouts. The most important ones in your career. 
<sighs> that's like and why and why god i'm like it always feels so blurry when you think about everything <laughs> um i will say one that stands out to me immediately uh tybalt <laughs> after always bring it back to romeo and juliet because hey, yeah what's your deal oh i loved playing that role just the power oh, yeah. and um the unapologetic you know like uh attitude and approach to things the vulnerability too within the power um the hurt and the pain like i was just like let's do it i was excited that they wanted me to play to um gender bend this role which i was yeah. excited about um mm -hmm. i think it led to a couple of other opportunities to gender bend a little bit um as well i loved my um experience in henry five um playing rambier and being one of the only other women who actually i was the mm -hmm. only woman who fought in that play oh that really um, yeah, nice. in the Battle of Agincourt, and of course, who could forget it? It was so it was intense, but it was a fun um, experience to, you know, do that and just feel. I guess I'm really drawn to a lot of a power and strength in roles that I play. Like yeah. Aida pops out. Um, I love playing the bag lady in Rent. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, that that role just kind of. Uh, hit me in a way you know um of just like how sometimes artists take advantage of certain situations um that we don't understand fully to make art um but yeah there's there's i'm sure there's others that are popping out uh i really loved going um uh to the schools and um being a part of like being a first theater experience for students, um, mm -hmm. playing a dog. <laughs> you played a dog. <laughs> I played a dog. Um, you were a you were a dog. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Named Buddy. I love playing that role. And also um, another one, different equals amazing about bullying, which is oh, super super important about to that. me. Yeah. Um, Are you a bully or the bullied? I was kind of both. Um, we got to play. It was me and another actor. Um, we played several different roles and different scenarios of being um, bullied and bullying, being the bullier person um, or the bully. And then also being somebody who is not really participating in being like bullying other people or whatever, watching it happen and not really doing anything about it as well, which I think is a bystanders yeah so which was important to kind of open up the dialogue for young students to vocalize if they were being bullied and how teachers can handle it and also like other students hopefully being empathetic um to those who are being bullying bullied and also the bullier because we also don't understand what's happening all the time and why those um why they are bullying other students because a lot of stuff could be happening at home Oh, so damn. absolutely it hurt opened people, up hurt people the whole thing yeah exactly exactly so i enjoyed those experiences that um cause dialogue and conversation to happen as well you know so people hopefully will learn something and be better um because that's what i i love to do in my work it teaches me to be that way so i hope that's something that i'm giving out when i'm in those roles too hey, you talked about that um playing roles that you don't fully understand or don't maybe have a full firsthand experience with um as mm -hmm. you're talking about your role in rent 
How do you usually tackle those roles? I just go, just go for it, honestly, and ask questions. Cause I'm like, if I don't know the answer and also giving myself permission to not know the answer as well, because at the end of the day, um, I get to portray this character, but I get to take that role and leave it at this theater and go home to my own life. So what am I in my own personal life going to do with what I've learned with playing this character? How can I be more empathetic um, to other people? Because I've been, my perspective has been widened because of playing this character. So I kind of just, I keep asking questions and give myself permission to not always get the answers that I I desire to have. Um, I'll search for it, but sometimes it just doesn't, it won't, there's not an answer. There's not you know, a, a button. The biggest skill that actors can have is the ability to ask questions. And I think at the end of the day, actors are empathy athletes. Yeah. They are athletes, athletes of empathy. Because if you can't understand the character, how can you play a character? Even if it's someone not even related to you. Exactly. There's no attributes that you have whatsoever. Can you empathize with what it would be like to be them? You have to be the athlete of empathy to be a good actor. And it's interesting because like what popped out when you said that too, like I played Miss Evers in Miss Evers Boys. Oh, and, yeah. Wow. Whew, and that is a tour de force role to play. And, you know, it's based on true events that happened in Tuskegee. Yeah. Um, and tell me about it. What's the, what's the play? So it's about it's, it's about um, when the government goes into Tuskegee, when uh, before penicillin was um, discovered to help with syphilis, Mm. um, they do find out that penicillin actually does help um, syphilis. Uh, I don't remember if it was to cure it, right? Or- Yeah, I think it does. It does, right? So, um, but they pretended, and they made Miss Evers, who is actually a real character, um, but a different name, try to convince the guys to not get penicillin, that it was actually bad for them to continue to experiment on them to see what the full effects of syphilis would, whoa, would whoa, do whoa. Oh, wait, to I bodies. This shit. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. This, this, this was a, she was a, do- who was she? She was, she was a nurse. nurse. She was yeah. a nurse. And mm-hmm. so she broke the Hippocratic oath, right? Do no harm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because was- the government asked her to, because she thought that she was, she also was being manipulated by them to for to saying like it's you know going to help the world she was a black woman she was a black woman yes and she did this to her own kind yes but understand at the same time that manipulation was happening to her too wow a fascinating show what is this called miss Evers, miss Evers boys it's a great great it's a it's a hard read and i almost oh. did not do that show because it made me feel so ill because i did, did not know uh the grand theater in salt lake yeah Wow. I think it was like 2012, I believe okay. it was 2011 or 2012, one of the two years. But that role taught me how to also be empathetic to roles that I might actually not not like, like yeah. people that I don't like. And that's where you learn the most, though. Yeah, that's exactly where you learn. And you have to to portray at least what I had to realize and teach myself is like, I, if I'm going to portray a role that I necessarily as myself disagree with, I can't judge them. 
I can't judge the character or else I can't play it. If you're going in there judging right. the character, how can you fully allow the character to come through? And right. I think so. to judge, very judgmental people to me lack imagination because to yeah. judge means to means that you cannot picture the situation where you would do the same thing. Right. And to me, that right. shows a lack of imagination. Hmm. And also, I think actors have to be imaginative. So, yes. What? <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean, never use my imagination sort of. in my work. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no empathy John or imagination Gage. for John here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, that's one of the darker roles. Uh, what's some of your favorite roles? You know, so, so what, what's your number one, you, I would say, of all time? Oh, of all time? You need to choose. You have 10 <sighs> seconds. You're on the clock. <laughs> Do do can it the music? Person. You know, I, I really love playing Yitzhak and Hedwig. Ooh, yeah, that Why? sounds fun. Tell me about it. Uh, I love working um, in that whole play. I loved the the message that it brought out. Um, I love the music. I loved uh, once again another kind of like gender bend kind of role. Um, it just felt like a role that I never was going to be able to play because it's was originally cast as you know white um and there was two two bipoc artists playing these two lead roles and so Whoa. yeah it was like the like huge for me and then i just get to fucking get to sorry i guess i shouldn't swear but i got to like rock you know i love rock music i love singing that that style so um I just enjoyed myself. I, I think it was like the most fun I had. And we only had like two week rehearsal process too, what? to put it up. Yeah. That's, wow. Where so was it was this? like a blank. It was through plan B theater company. Wow. Yeah. Two, two weeks. weeks. That's two weeks. Jerry, yeah. Rapier, you're a mess. <laughs> yeah, we had to come prepared. Wow. We were prepared to work. So yeah. it was a blast. So it was a blast. For, all the, for those of you wondering what we're getting at. So we're talking about all these local uh, thriving theater companies here in Salt Lake City, Utah. There's Plan B. There's Salt Lake Acting Company. There's a Grand Theater, and you've worked for all of them. You've been you've been all around. But have, you've done the New York thing. I have, yeah. One. Tell me about the New York. Not, thing. I didn't live there. I can't say that. I, Whoa, I can't claim that. the purest that you haven't done. I know I haven't. I haven't. Well, had well a... hold on though. You did a show there, which means you lived there <laughs> during the duration of a show. I did. I was there for like what I think two three weeks so you've lived there you've lived there that's not live if it's two three days fuck that you didn't live there but you lived there for two three As weeks someone that lived there for two and a half years you lived there <laughs> you okay lived there. well then now i'm gonna claim that and be like what was I that lived show in New York. What, what, so was that broadway off broadway it was off 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 broadway it was the uh, new Triple york off. musical theater festival um that i don't think they exist anymore as of like last year or two years ago oh, they no. stopped doing it but it was for new musicals um that were in development process and um honestly my friend um who was in rent with me told me about this festival and i was just like oh he's like you should keep an eye out for that was this um, where was rent when you did it it was at pioneer theater company i saw that one you did and i mean i, I that means i saw you as well i saw it. Oh, yes. dude, that was me being a bag lady <laughs> um cast <Podcast> again <laughs> start claiming that but um <laughs> the bag lady um but they funny enough that musical was actually developed in utah 
and I didn't know that that was like what rent? Uh, no, 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 no. I'm she, like, what? The one that <laughs> I should reiterate. The one in New York. It was called Shelter, the musical, um, and uh, it was developed here in Utah. And I think on a whim, the creators were like, "Let's just send it off to New York and see if like this festival will take it." But see not thinking, and they were like. Yeah, we want you to come and participate. And they're they're like, wait, what? So um <laughs> we're not there was like for this. they I mean, no disrespect to them, but they weren't because I think they're just like, holy cow, like what do we do now? And so I, I guess we're gonna have auditions for this and see what's gonna happen. So um I went and auditioned for it um and didn't think that I was gonna I felt good about what I brought to the table. I just was like, oh, there's no way they're gonna cast me um, yeah. as the lead, you know, because not during those times, which is not now, um, they, you know, most black people don't get cast in lead roles too, you know, so. Is that is that right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, no it's still shit. the big, like one of the, oh yeah. It's, there's no equitable opportunities for black or BIPOC artists, yeah. Do you feel the discrimination in the room or do you feel the oh, yeah. chances at certain auditions just because of your race? Uh, I mean, absolutely, because that's just the facts, you know? Yeah. Um, and, but I still show up because I'm like, I'm going to make you see me <laughs> Hell yeah! and yeah. what I got. And if I don't get it because of your lack of imagination, yes. um, yeah. then so be it, then I'll go somewhere else. But, um, I still, you know, it's something I've realized within the last year, like any spaces that I show up to, despite, what is happening um in the theater and how um discriminatory they are wow. uh that the theater is um showing up to those spaces still is revolutionary so well, I'm going, still to, do going it. to toe to toe and just saying here i am anyway that i can put a dent in something then i'll do, do think, it do you think a lot of it are <clears throat> how much of it is just blatant bias and how much of it you think is implicit like you said lack of imagination I think well, it's, like it's got to be a white girl. We all know this in our heads, so we're not going to get or like, oh, I've never thought of, you know, oh, playing with the right. Huh? I mean, I've witnessed both at the same okay. like moment of like walking in a room and doing it and then going like making that face like, oh, oh, I didn't think that could be possible right you know, like, there's like non-white people in utah what? <laughs> right or like i never saw that because the role like you know the breakdown doesn't say that it has any specific you know reasons for this Absolutely. role to be cast as a non-white you know person because it's non -white, not about that how general non-white <laughs> um not caucasoid <laughs> let, let let me let me uh let me ask you what you think about this term uh it's called utah black and it's this notion in acting where if you need to cast a certain ethnicity in a role be that black mexican native american that since often the pool in utah lacks diversity or uh, certain ethnicities with that caliber of training they cast the close enough version for example i have uh, one of my good buddies his name's Sila, and he's Samoan. He's a powerful Samoan actor. And this guy gets cast as more Mexicans and Native, Native Americans, Americans than you've ever seen because it's close enough. And it's a whole, there's a whole phrase behind this notion. It's called Utah Black or parenthetical Black Enough. Do you, uh, have you 
seen that? Have you run across that? Or Absolutely. Like, well, you're meant to be East Indian and you're the closest thing we got. So you're going to be Gandhi's wife in the play Gandhi, a musical, you know, sort of thing. Have you? Have you oh, absolutely. Um, I see it all the time. And unfortunately, like for a lot, and I, I will reiterate this always is like, it's not the lack of diversity. It's a lack of looking for it and actually generally going to, mm. to like actually connect with those, with our community and with um, people who are not white, like in, in Utah, the, we are here. We've always been here. It's the, it's the lack of work that the theaters yeah. and other companies aren't doing because they don't want to do it because they, because of whatever excuse they want to put on the table. But um, I will always say, I'm like, no, we've been here. It's you not doing the work. So, um, but of course I've seen that. Like, I, I mean, I was in ragtime and like, we didn't have a full black cast uh, for the Harlem section, you know? And oh, um, no. yeah, it was, it was, there. It was like, um, it was, you know, black people, um, Lat Latinas, um, Polynesians, and um, which is like, I want to amplify like how important it is to um, once again, have the imagination to cast outside of your bias, you know, here in Utah, nice. because like we don't see enough Asian representation, no. um, Pacific Islander representation. We don't see enough um, Latin A, OX, um, Mexican, like we need um, indigenous, like we need all of that. We're all here. So do it, you know, <laughs> there's do no it. excuses. And also like, I've talked about this many times because I think it is important to talk about, like I've participated in that systemic racism bullshit too, yeah. as an artist. Oh yeah. Tell me. We all have, um, because being Utah, whatever, ethnicity to cover up that our lack of work um at the theater i've i mean i was in um in the heights now i'm not saying that i i can see myself in in the heights but not in the role that i was in so i should have never played daniela in in the heights because that's not my culture that's not is she I'm latina not, yeah she's puerto rican right, right so I that. and i'm not puerto rican i'm a black woman so um it's stuff wow. like that where like i also will call out to my own culture of being like we i get it we need the work you know we need the jobs as well because they're lacking um and also it's like you realize how you are participating in those behaviors too right and that also i call upon myself to like take that stuff off my resume whenever i showed up in really? spaces that oh absolutely really? wow that's that's, that's like amazing that's what I think is important because that's not the space that I should have, I shouldn't have taken the opportunity so away from that. Are you, are you, what, what, what adjective would you place on that? Are you embarrassed? Are you ashamed? Are you uncomfortable with that? No, I'm not ashamed or embarrassed or uncomfortable. I feel like, um, it's my responsibility, responsibility. and my, you feel responsible it, to yeah, not that on your resume. To, exactly. Like it's, wow. it's not, it's not my role. It never was my role. So take it off your resume. You know, I, you know, I, I can't say I have a similar story because that whole thing of, yeah, when's the uh, white American male going to ever catch a break? Right. So no one <laughs> said no one ever, but I say it all the time. One time he says all the time, <laughs> all the time. I said, John, you can't say that. Uh, 
But one time, Damn you, it's America. I went to audition <laughs> for Pioneer Theater, one of the mm. largest regional theaters we have uh, here in Utah. And it was for one of my favorite plays, A Raisin in the Sun. <gasps> I and love that here play. Here is where the, the, uh, the ratio is finally inverted, where there was <laughs> only one role for a white boy. Mm-hmm. It's about, a, for all you don't know the play, Raising the Sun, it's about a, a, a black Chicago family, like in the 50s, post-World War II. They're living cheek and jowl in a little apartment, one bathroom. They're miserable. They have an opportunity to uh, move to a more affluent neighborhood in Chicago, a bigger mm-hmm. house. They come into some inheritance money, only one catch. The affluent neighborhood back then and even now is white. And the only character, the only white boy, who shows up in a whole fucking play is this sort of real estate broker who knocks on the door and he, he's all sweet and pleasant as pie, but he's there is to it say, Carl, is that his name? What's his I don't name? remember, but he's pleasant as pie. And he's there to say, to offer them a settlement to not move into the white neighborhood because well, you won't fit in. And right. I remember it, 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 it was, it was a wonderfully, uh, wonderful experience in that I found myself the only uh, person representing my race in the room, right? In Utah, there I am waiting and it was with a bunch of black people. And I'm like, Oh my God, this is great. You know, and the, the black director, black host, everything. And I remember the director got up there and read it with me. It's the only director who's ever read an audition with me. And I came, I come in with all this racist shit and, you know, do, do that whole, that whole yeah. bit. Yeah. I gave my all man. And talking about imagination and trying to be to to empathize with the character you don't understand it's like okay well i gotta be racist and i, mm. I really gotta sell this because i want this role i want this role eh, punchline i didn't get the role um i was very young at the time very young at the time actually this is like this this is easily you know a decade ago you know uh, whenever they had raised in the sun eight to ten years ago at pioneer they did it but i wish i had that experience more and they're doing more they're doing more shows like that yeah. They did fences. I love fences. They did raising the sun way back when. Um, but it's always catering to, you know, the white nation, man. Fucking white Christmas, white, white, everything's fucking white. Yeah. And so it, it but it was an interesting experience to finally be the one where I was the minority. And that's, right. I, I think that's rare. And I don't think, frankly, white people experience that enough. That's interesting because you bring Mm -hmm. up you bring up White Christmas and whatnot. And I know that I have (laughs) a play of words, but it's like fucking a new (laughs) New Hampshire fucking white. It just just reminded me because I think Pioneer's done it twice now is um, Christmas at Pemberley. Oh, the 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 whole Pride and Prejudice Christmas. Yeah, I haven't even seen it. I haven't seen it either. So I was just wondering. I mean, I haven't seen it. I saw it in Atlanta. I auditioned for it. And I was just wondering if they cross cast here in salt lake because they did in in atlanta it was a very diverse cast um so i was just wondering if they had done that here nice well they did lion in winter yes and the lead remember that Uh uh-huh yes was black i loved that yeah and i think fantastic there was like a couple yeah jeffrey was black yes i was like oh hell yeah Mm -hmm. it was really good and they seem to have been doing that more um I mean, here in Salt Lake. Yeah, Ray, they did that they Pioneer. And I was like, they did. Hey, what was okay. it? Mary Queen of Scots? Is that or? Yeah, Mary Queen of Scots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Had, it was a, a variety of different um, representation. And then also a 
I mean, they almost went there. I mean, it was beautiful to see at once. If you saw once, um, yeah, yeah. the at guy Pioneer. at Pioneer, yeah, the guy right. who played Guy was a, a black actor, um, which was amazing to see because I saw it on Broadway and I was like, oh, I would love to play the girl, but they're never going to cast a black girl as as girl. And now when I saw him, I was like, oh, then maybe I need to learn the piano. <laughs> well, and that's, I mean, yeah. that's, I, I, that leads me to one question because you have worked um, in a lot in the West. You've worked in Denver. You've worked at the Utah Shakespeare Festival. You worked here in Salt Lake. Um, and having, I, I worked in Atlanta for a little bit, uh, but I went to grad school in Athens, not far from Atlanta. So I was lucky enough to kind of be in that market for a little while. Um, they do a lot of cross-casting. And I was just wondering, has that changed? Is that changing here in the West? Do you see that happening? I mean, I always, I always look at things from a slighted, like slant look of what are you going to do? Because I've noticed it, but the consistency afterward is what I'm interested in Ooh, more so. Talk about that. Um, I mean, there we've seen it countless times that will have there's a season that's like we're looking for diverse we're focusing on diversity because then they put in you know <laughs> big river or ragtime or like one of those like horrible horrible i mean the musicals are beautiful but like the storyline that draws in the diversity shouldn't be the thing you know that right. that you want to make your season more inclusive you know so um i i remember having a discussion um about this uh with somebody at their opening weekend <laughs> and it was like a diverse cast or a diverse company and and they're like isn't this so great and i was like sure but um you know i feel like this is possibly going to be one of those like checkmark opportunities for mm. a theater company to do check the um, box check the box you know pull up pull up hamilton is cool right now so let's pull a hamilton so we can make some money and then mm. the next season mm. we're going to go back That's to right. the same old we'll go right back to casting othello as a white guy exactly <laughs> so and the looks that i got from people it was very interesting because they were like how dare you say it? like oh like and i was just like we're not here just to check a box <laughs> oh i'm sorry I, like, that I tap into your white fragility right it was so interesting <laughs> i was just like just wait like i'm i'm like i'll be surprised if it doesn't but i guarantee mm. it will because it happens all the time i'm not saying this out of my ass just for the sake of saying it i'm saying it because it happens all the time and what happened the same old programming happened the next season. It oh, did not diverse. It was not a diverse season. It was, and it has consistently been the same. So I'm like, sitting there going, see, so do I think it's changing? I think the attempt is more of a, a political statement um, because of what's happening now. I think it's also a money situation where they're trying to, to profit off of what's happening. Um, and, uh, the, I will, I'm interested to see what's going to happen actually moving forward because that really will tell me the spaces and places that I want to support sure. moving forward. You know, you know so you noticed, me. Uh, let me just ask Please. one thing. Have you noticed because working at the different theaters, are different audiences more receptive to the change? I don't know because I don't think the audiences have been pushed to do that work yet. Okay. I mm. think that we're still, it's Not still like, Paul. yeah, I mean, well, cause like the same stuff 
is happening. So like, I'll tell you my experience. I went and saw a big river at uh-huh. the Utah Shakespeare festival, beautifully done. Um, and I mean, and I don't, I couldn't spot any other um, people of color in the audience. It was a, a bunch of white people. And I was sitting next to this really lovely woman. She was white. Um, and anytime that Jim sang, she like looked at me like, oh my goodness, do you see how beautiful he's singing? I'm like, sure do. Um, and oh anything God. that was happening to him, she'd like check in with me of like, do you see what's happening? I'm like, I am. And um, she I'm was here at in the, the audience. I'm like, yes, play. this is. And I know that she's going through her own experience and everything like that. But then at the end of the play, she's like weeping, like ugly weeping. And she's looking at me and she's like, oh. That was so, and I was like, yep. And I'm not, I'm not affected by it because I was just like, this isn't new to me. Um, and my question was like, now what are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with how you feel? Mm, no one does anything, unfortunately, because like as much as I believe still in theater, I do believe that there is this separation that happens when, because it's like, this is entertainment still. This is like the, a separation of like why it's being told because the same stuff happens when they leave a the theater, you know, mm. they'll go and talk about it. Like it was an experience versus what's actually happening what, in the real, world. Yeah, exactly. yeah. So how do you, how do you make that happen? How do you make it a visceral experience where it activates people to do something about it yeah. versus just to feel it in the moment. And then I felt what I felt in the theater and now or, I can go and now back I've to my done nice my home. job. Exactly. My, my I did job my was job. to feel I my part. I got the right. message. Yeah, my work here is done. Right. But are you showing up to like the Black Lives Matter protests? Are you speaking up in behalf of right. um, stopping Asian hate? Um, are you doing anything to talk about preserving sacred lands for indigenous people? Um, are you, what are you doing what about are you doing? what are you doing about or are you it just now? feeling yeah. things? You know, it reminds me how the barometer for our society and art right now is remember the Oscars where it was the scandalous, the no black Oscars were not a single black <laughs> nominee, like yeah. not a single director, actor, woman, nothing. And there was outrage and like Will Smith was going to boycott, boycott the Oscars, refuse to show up. And so they scrambled, the Academy scrambled and they got every single black entertainer to like runway, red carpet host, Chris Rock hosted. And ultimately became like the joke was became yeah. like the blackest Oscars ever, but still not a single black nominee. Mm-hmm that year no but all white land yeah presentation presentation with this martin scorsese that no denzel no spike lee no nothing nobody yeah it was wild it was wild so speaking of black lives matter what's up holy shit so what where have you been in all this have you been (laughs) at the protests here in salt lake or or here in utah what's what's been going on i've been to a few um my activism has been uh what i can do with what i have been doing if that makes any sense um i mean the arts have always been the spaces that i felt more um able to be myself but also realizing in those spaces that's not 100 percent true um but it's like the closest uh, from, you know, from being by myself. Um, And so with the influences that I have with the acting that I've done in my community, um, I've taken a step kind of like off the stage um, as well to see what I can do behind the scenes. Um, I'm working now at 
the Salt Lake Acting Company um, as their EDI dramaturg, which is Equity, Diversity, oh, Inclusion. That's where you um, were. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So I started that position in January. Um, it's something that I've been in talks with. I approached them about wanting to be a part of um, that kind of work because I think um, pushing our audiences um, here in Utah is so pivotal and important um, that we need to represent stories, people who are telling them, people who are in powerful positions, um, uplifting and providing a space of support for that to happen, um, that I feel like I can bring that into Talk about that. Talk about that, that job sense. a little bit. What exactly are the responsibilities of that? A job? dramaturg. It's, first of all, define what well, a dramaturg is for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> How do you define dramaturg? They are the ones who dive into everything. So in the theater, um, at least for like, they're very important for um, play development and also for drama and uh, not for drama for drama <laughs> for drama. uh you're, directors God, really so like a lot of drama latoya i bring a lot of drama 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 the, so you're the research behind a play <laughs> yeah the you're like the the deep researcher you know um uh you give packets and, to the actors on the history of, yes. the, of like like yeah. the time frame they're enacting and all sorts of stuff yes now when you flip it with edi dramaturg you dive into the infrastructure of a theater company and like that means in every place that I can get my hands into and start looking how they function, how they thrive and um, how they're putting out information into the world and who they're partnering with all these things to see where we can start actually doing stronger and better and um, sustainable work, because this kind of work isn't going to be um, a, like a I got the answers once again, like here's the answers to to the problems. It's not, there's never going to be a solid answer. There's gonna be just continuous work to make things better, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, if that makes sense. Because this, our society yeah. evolves and it will continue to evolve. Terms are gonna be outdated and we're gonna be starting to use new ones, like it's all the things, finished. Yeah. it's never finished. So that's what that work is going to entail. And it's like also holding accountable for the theater to call them out and be like, if you're going to do this, like, are you sure you want to do that? Because this is what could possibly open up. Da -da 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 -da. Damage control too, huh? Um, only because I'm that person. Troubleshooting. Troubleshooting. I'm like, if you want to communicate with this person when they're actually already showing signs of um, being derogatory towards da, da 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 then are you sure you want to be partnering with them? Wow. And then it's like them being like, oh, yeah. You know, because it's funny because I think like humans know better. It's just sometimes we get in our own way. <laughs> Actually, all the time we get in our own way to do the oh, yeah, work absolutely. because we're John so gets afraid. His own way all the time. I, I do too. Yeah. So I'm my own greatest obstacle. <laughs> right. And so, I mean, if you intentionally and consciously are trying to go in there with the efforts of wanting to make something better, um, you will do better. You know. So hopefully. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so how bad do you miss acting? I mean, you got to miss it like crazy. I mean. I do miss it. You what know, was the last show you were in? What was that? I was about to open four women talking about the man under the sheet at Salt Lake Acting Company. And oh, that's right. We were literally, um, it was about, oh God, I think we're opening in the next day. And we, I got a call that was like, hey, um, we're thinking about um, postponing the show. Oh. And I said, 
okay, that's probably smart. And then she said again, actually, we are. <laughs> I said, Brutal. okay. In the same breath, um, maybe, no, it's a definite. Maybe, no, no it's definitely, definitely happening. And then I was like, okay. And then we had a meeting where we're like, well, maybe we'll, we'll come back together in the summertime. How's everyone's summers looking? And so we're like, okay, great. We'll come back in the summer. And I remember in the springtime being like, I don't think there's going to be a summer. I don't even think it's going to yeah. be in this year. I think we're, we're going to have to. We're in nuclear winter right now. Like, yeah. yeah. Pretty so, odd. I miss it. I do miss it. And I also, I mean, this whole experience has really just like skyrocketed everything. It, you know, it, everything is messy and there's a lot of cleanup that and rebuilding that we need to do. Mm-hmm. So I look forward to going back to the theater and also I am hesitant sometimes to go back to it because of the work that needs to happen mm. that isn't happening yet. I think that, I mean, I can't say if a hundred percent, cause I do think that there are theater companies that are diving into doing the work. The work we've been talking about. We've been talking about. Yeah. Like I wouldn't be at solid Gagman company if they weren't, if they weren't already doing that kind of work before I started. Yeah. Um, and, and like other theater companies have shown that, but not enough. And the, especially the theater companies that are the most powerful in our community. I, I, I am watching them like a hawk just to see what they're going to be doing, because why would you want to be put put? Why would you want to put yourself in spaces that continuously tell you that you're not welcome? Sure. So um, there's a few of us who will have the strength to continue to do that, to push that movement. Um, and then there are those who are going to be like, fuck that i'm not doing that shit anymore and i can't fault that either yeah so because of the abuse that happens in theater and no one talks about it enough do you think that um the um and i'm sorry i'm trying to remember the name of the actual letter but the letter that was put out by the bipoc artists Mm -hmm. do you think that hit a lot of the um i guess a lot of the issues that are happening yeah i think so but i think it also um probably opened up a deeper evaluation for Mm -hmm. that theater now with them being shown themselves what are you going to do about it you know because it's funny how when you mirror back what people are doing they either will call they'll call to action or they will try to like hide themselves again um and i i'm curious of i feel like that's possibly what could be happening so if that makes any sense yeah no absolutely absolutely. yeah i mean i think you know it's um it's that idea of is it a revolution or a movement movements you know go from one place to another and stop revolutions keep coming back around in the face so yeah is it is it going to be a revolution or just a movement right and i think i mean i i i think what you said is some powerful stuff as far as and why as a theater wouldn't you want to be spearheading it as right. opposed to the caboose? not going along but actually yeah doing all yeah well i mean I, I said this actually yesterday, I was talking to somebody and I guess I'll get a little political, but like, you know, we all were 
we're feeding the American dream. Like we're eating that American dream breakfast every day of like, if I can dream it, I can do it. I can be it, whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and then we all realized that, you know, that wasn't true. We were, we were not being told the truth. And I feel like the theater has done the same. Unfortunately, they've been serving up, like we are a safe space to come bring all your weird, your quirks, your strange, um, bring your vulnerability, like expose yourself, bleed yourself to death for us because we will mm-hmm. accept you and heal you when actually it's, it has been a lie. It hasn't been the truth. It's been very damaging. They expect you to just be so willing to basically bend any direction and expose all the things about yourself for the sake of the art. And then what's given back to you is continuous abuse doors being shut on you, um, taking you away from your actual strength and self so they can continue to serve you that now that non-nutritional breakfast that you keep eating. Empty calories. You know? Empty calories, you know? So like, lucky I'm not, terms, but they're different. yeah, I mean, I love a marshmallow, but then you realize that like you're losing teeth and you're gaining weight. Like, it's just, yeah, I don't know. Like, it's something that I've had to grapple with um, in the last couple of years of being like, holy shit, like, have I been in, in like a relationship with theater that's been more damaging than, than, um, uplifting. And it's still something I'm still trying to, to dive into, to see, cause I do know as I've spoken that there have been some really beautiful uplifting experiences that also match with some of the horrific experiences experiences i've had in spaces that i thought that i was safe in so and i know i'm not the only one and so the theater has a lot of grappling that it does also need to face with with that you know a lot of stuff a lot of stuff so i don't know you said she was brilliant but i i wasn't anticipating you're welcome Ah, No, that's, I mean, everything you said has just been, and it's been, it's brilliant, but eye-opening too. I mean, it's always great to get, you know, firsthand experience or firsthand knowledge from someone um, or knowledge from someone who has the firsthand experience. But, you know, part of what we like talking about too is, um, and we get, you know, we've been fortunate enough to have guests from all over the place, but to get someone that's so intimately involved with the Salt Lake area, and you know even utah itself having worked at the utah shakespeare festival and then all these theaters in town um to see how you know your experience has been and how it was is it changing where is it going and to just basically say i don't know and that's that's really i can see why that would be disheartening and scary but still holding on to that sliver of hope Mm -hmm. that I also like your other message of, you know, you sure be moved, but what are you going to do? That ultimate challenge you give to an audience, what are you going to do about it? Yeah. You feel it. What do you do with those feelings? Yeah. Nothing. Well, and I, I always wondered, and this was my, because I always talked about it in terms of, uh, gosh, I named the theater. 
do it. All right, whatever. <laughs> like, I, like they're ever going to hire me anyway. <laughs> no holds barred. But I always thought about it in terms of pioneer. Oh, that ship sailed long ago for you, buddy. Right? Exactly. <laughs> no, 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 I'm just, no, it really did. No, no, no. I got to like, get back in with Jerry Rapier and Plan B. But um, <laughs> no, I just always thought, you know, back in the day, listening, you know, in the 70s, 80s, especially listening to some of the people that worked there during that time talk about the blue hairs you know mm. and that's who their subscribers were and how they had to the blue hair the blue the... hairs baby wow <laughs> yeah, just like old ladies with blue hair yeah basically wow oh, I mean, that's who the subscriber base was yeah. you know just these older people they ex- who want they ex- white christmas who want who Bing want Crosby, white christmas who want nostalgia exactly. who want right. less black people it's all rogers know. and hammers mm-hmm. yeah yeah can we get less black people in the next season please <laughs> i applaud your diversity but <laughs> Too diverse. We saw Raising a Son three years ago. Do we really need to do another black play? Oddly enough, it would probably be the opposite. It would be like, actually, why did you cast the, what was it, my favorite thing that did happen at Pioneer in Elf? Why did you cast, why was the mother a black woman? And why was there a lot of black people in that show? Didn't you see the original cast? The only black person in that show was the manager at Macy's, but everyone else should have been white. Oh, yeah. And they completely said like, I mean, I do really enjoy Alicia Washington's work, but which it was they're referring to me. (laughs) It was in that show. Alicia and I talked about it. Yeah, I was an elf. Yeah, you were were the wife. No, I wasn't the wife, but I was. I played Chadwick. Um, the I guy saw who, that, but that's yeah, like forever. That was, a <laughs> it was forever ago. ago. But like, yeah, like they were like, "Oh, how dare you!" And I was like, "Boo boo! This is set in New York City, one. Um, so it should definitely be more diverse than white people." So Broadway did it wrong, and then two. What the hell? Like that's what you got, elf? I'm like, you're supposed to go in and have a good time. Like you're pissed off about that. I'm like, oh my god, it's a fucking play. Yeah, for hell's yeah. sake. Like, it's, take well, a no, chill, it's a boo. movie that's become a play. A play, right? It's like right. no one's. We're here to have fun. No one here is trying to take like life so deep right now. It's elf. Yeah, elf. for hell's yeah, sake. For you know, go right. So. <laughs> You Ugh. you took Elf, something pure and sacred, and you shit all over it. Oh right? my god! Oh, you would have loved. You would have loved. We did so, Marada. I was lucky enough to be in his animal farm. This is your oh, professor. This is our of professor T. Anthony Marada, and we did Animal Farm, and George we had Orwell. people. We had people because we did. We did a whole play. I was Napoleon, and we did this whole thing on Hillary Clinton, on Trump on and we had these real conservative people come in and basically say how could you take the sacred text of wells and turn it into this you know or you know or or sorry of orwell and turn it into this monstrosity and one guy just said <laughs> when did when did george orwell become the sacred text that nobody can right? mess around with this is the fucking bible for all work right Oh my gosh! You like it's I so love to hear him do it with Elf. Don't you mess with don't even don't change Elf. <laughs> elf, don't do it. Will Ferrell and all his artistic triumph. It's Bob Newhart, or it's nothing. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> oh my gosh! Can you imagine now? Can you imagine if that Elf was cast as other than white? That oh probably God. would have the theater would never exist anywhere. There are no black that. elves and what? <laughs> black people in North Pole. There's no elves can't be any other than white. Like, what are you talking oh, about? God. They're elves. Elves are They're Scandinavian. Elves. We all know oh it. Oh my Scandi. gosh. 
they're Scandinavian just... elves. I just remember that going back to uh, remember when uh, Megan Kelly was on Fox and she assured because there was um, a black Santa at one of the stores in um, in New York. <laughs> And she got on her 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 oh. broadcast and assured all the children out there that Santa Claus was white. No, she had, oh to, my had to assure them. No, <laughs> are you fucking kidding no. me? No, no. So I can just see it. You got you Bless. got these audiences here that you know how many of them are Fox News watchers, and they just have to be assured that Bob Newhart's character is white. It's like what? Santa I mean, is a white. Don't man. worry, kids. Santa is white. God, it was. Oh, and Jesus has blonde hair and blue, blue eyes, eyes, like Jeffrey yeah. Hunter. King yeah, King. exactly. Oh my gosh! Yeah, or like Luke Skywalker. Was... Let me tell you something. <laughs> or uh, what was it? What's his bucket? Um, not not Luke Skywalker. Um, Obi Wan Kenobi. Uh, what they? Al Guinness. Well, no. Um. Uh, you McGregor, when that picture of him like came out with like the long hair, and everyone was like, "Oh, it's Jesus!" It's like, "Oh no, dude, no, that's that's you and McGregor, Obi Wan Kenobi." But yes, Jesus. <laughs> but yes, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus was Israeli. What do Israeli people look like? Oh, man. Jesus, er, yeah. Not... Oh my God. Yeah, that's ah. it's, it's real. It's real. It's real, man. It's very real. But so, um. I guess going back to the idea of audiences and donors and whatnot. So Slack seems to be pretty responsible or are very choosy with their donors or do they really watch who they partner with? And I think that they do. Um, I'm still learning a lot about um, who their donors are and partners and stuff like that. But um, I know with the work that um, Cynthia has been doing and everyone at like the board and the staff have been doing we're asking those important questions you know nice of like get on board well, that's man. gotta be tough i mean because you don't want to you don't want to shut down a a pipeline of money just because you might not agree with you know right but i mean but at the same time you want to be you know you want to get your message out there you want to be your you know a beacon or like right. we we're saying you want to spearhead things you don't want to be the caboose and be dragged exactly don't well be what, the caboose. what don't be the caboose don't be a caboose um, nobody likes a caboose nobody likes the caboose what there is a theater company that like it's trinity uh trinity rep i believe it was right um that there was like one of their donors uh reached out to um white theater uh dear white theater um the, that group uh -huh. uh, saying like you guys are the problem and all these like really horrible disrespectful things about like you know I we have the money we're not going to support you guys and da, 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 da. then Trinity rep found out that this person her name was Connie this Connie <laughs> Connie um, was oh, they recognized Connie. the email and they're like oh my gosh this is actually one of the people who donates to our theater company and also put us in their will so when she passes wow. out, the money we're going to so there was, yes. there was more so money like, to come yes and they were like don't you worry like they reached out to connie and was like our theater company is anti-racist anti-racism this is our stance and we take it seriously please take us off of your please take us out of your will and we will no longer be um taking donations from you moving forward we don't want your money wow. we don't want your money 
Now that is like real work. That that's is standing like up. real. That's fucking yeah. unreal. Like I literally sat there and was like, my mouth was wide open because I never thought I would see that. And I was like, holy shit. That's that money. Is, that's yeah, true money. money. That's what and makes the world go round. And they're saying, like, fuck it and fuck your money. Yeah, we don't need you. Like that's taking that's drawing a line in the sand. Exactly. And that's what needs to happen. You know, like yeah. if you have, if you are saying that you are you are a anti-racist, anti-racism workspace, institution, theater, then you better check who you are working with because if they aren't a part of that movement, a part of inclusivity and equity, also accessibility, all of that, if they are not a part of that they don't want to be a part of that, then you should really um, get rid of that. Then they're dinosaurs. Then they're going to go extinct. Well, just and, like the dinosaurs. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, you always see the, or there's movies and TV shows out there about, you know, large corporations that own news networks mm -hmm. and how the news will be influenced by that corporate um, entity. And so at the same time, if you're doing, you know, if you're a theater company and you're accepting money from someone, at one point in time, do you want to put up a show or do you want to say something in your mission? And then this entity comes along and says, no, we don't support that. You know, are you going to be influenced by that? You know, are you not going to do something because you're looking for money? So just, I think if you're going to be that spearhead, mm -hmm. if you're going to have that mission, you got to cut it off right then and there. Absolutely. Because you can't wait for it to come to a head. Right. I And plus like when that, when and if that happens, like how many other people are going to come in and support you? Way more yeah. people are going to come in and be like, oh, no, we want this to happen. And thank you for like saying fuck you to that person. We stand and with we're you. here to stand with you. Exactly. Yeah. So there are a lot more people who are wanting that to happen versus this really small amount of people that that, yeah, they have the money right now, but watch how many people can come together to make up that yeah. money and then some you know so there's so much un um untapped uh resources out there because people are so afraid um to do just to do it you know and yeah. it's something i said yesterday too i was just like when i was talking to a friend i said what was it i was like people they brought up the point of like people are afraid of change and i was like yes I don't disagree with that. I also will say too that there are people out there who are saying that they are afraid of change, but they aren't afraid of change. They're actually more afraid of losing something that has been serving them. Mm -hmm. So like it's it affects them in a way that like they've been the system has been working for people for a long 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 time. So why would you fight for a fight against a system that has been working for you? You won't. You don't want to because then you lose something because you've been benefiting off of it. Well, so now slavery worked, uh, apartheid right? worked, uh, you know, I a mean, lot of things worked. Jim Crow worked. Jim Crow then, worked. Exactly. Exactly. And so, like, why change it? I like this. Oh, right. It's like, why? But, like, the outcome, obviously, it's the obvious thing, which I don't understand why people make it seem so obvious, but, um, that we that no one in the long run no one benefits off of it anyway because if we're willing to sacrifice people that we think are not um deemed as valued like ourselves as ourselves then we also are going to be put into that food chain as well it's going to come back yeah. to you eventually 
It always does, you know? Well, and it's so funny how a lot of this is so, I mean, it really is learned, you know, I grew up in the South and I learned to, I don't don't even want to say appreciate, but I grew up with the civil war monuments, the Confederate monuments, you know, and they were just kind of part of the lifestyle there. But then talking to my friends, you know, um, that would walk by the, my black friends that would walk by these things and they'd have to just kind of ignore them or ignore what they stood for. And it's, as a kid, I didn't, it was just there, you know, and it took me forever to go, Oh, wait a second. What does this represent? This is like pro slavery. Why is this here? At its heart. It's it's pro slavery monuments. And then people, we lost that sucks. Wish it was still the same. But people make it sound like they Mm. stood since the end of the civil war. These, a lot of these monuments weren't erected until the early 1900s or some of probably the sixties and seventies. I mean, they're, like, they're not, they're not that old <laughs> and that, that shit and was to probably, take them down is not a big deal. Really? That, that yeah. shot was probably going it's up. It's just something that somebody got used to. They walk past this Robert E. Lee statue every day and it's like, oh, that's part of our culture. And it's like, it really isn't right. It's well, just there. Mm. And it's not going to change your daily life. If that's gone, it's no one's taking your heritage away from you. If that's gone, you're, t- you're right. giving something to other people. You're giving peace a safer mind. space, a peace of mind. Right. That's gone. And I mean, with the, you know, I get it. I get that. It's going to take a second to get the stone mountain monument of Jesus. Robert E. Lee and stone Jackson and Stonewall uh, Jackson. Yeah. Um, Stonewall Jackson and uh, Jefferson Davis. Jefferson Davis. That's going to take a second to blow that off the side of the mountain because it's etched man. in the mountain. But, right. But that's more logistics than anything else. And that's uh, not that God. shouldn't be that shouldn't be a social uprising, you know, to to take their, it down. Their it faces should, are in the mountain. It, they're on horses it's and Bull, and Bull Connor and like it's oh my crazy. God. Like, but I mean, I used to go to these events there. They'd have a big laser show. You know, with Pink Floyd playing no. for um, Fourth of July. People stuff, probably don't even know what that means. It's like, no, tell the history don't. of each one of these people. They couldn't. I mean, when I was a kid, oh, yeah. I couldn't. It took me forever to even figure out who was up there because well, I didn't care. But at the same time, exactly. it does matter because it is up there and people do care. I mean, because right. people, if you have to ignore, if you have to go to this park for the laser show and then, but you have to ignore that what this stands for that unto itself is just atrocious. Right. And it took me a second to figure that out because I was, you know, I was just a kid. I didn't know. Yeah. And now it's like, yeah, we can put something better on the side of that mountain. <laughs> it might mm-hmm. take a second. It might take some more money, but you know, it's we, doable. It's not, right. it's not out of the realm of possibility. Right. Well, I could get a bunch of Sharpies and like maybe draw like a unibrow on Robert E. Lee and like a absolutely a mustache on uh, or maybe shave his mustache. I, I think know. I'd say we go with climbing gear. Uh-huh. We climb up. Sure. And then we just start etching. You know, we get some uh, picks and hammer and chisel. Hammer and, thank you, hammer and chisel. <laughs> Y'all okay. don't incriminate yourself. <laughs> oh we wear no, we wear we're just, we're, yeah. we're just it's it's just you know we're giving back to the community <laughs> it's well, not hell, the, yeah. the stars and bars i remember when i was in middle school it's like the late 90s <laughs> dating myself the stars and bars were 
uh, still on the South Carolina state. They flag. were still on the Georgia state flag. And I, there was a, a big old thing to remove them, remove yeah. like stars and bars on numerous uh, Southern state flags. We had a project when I was in middle school to redesign the Georgia state flag. Oh, like draw your idea. Mm -hmm. What was yours? I took, um, oh, what's the, the big oak tree. It's like a weeping oak. A live or, oak? Live oak, yeah. Like the, the south, the symbol of yeah, south, live yeah. oak, yeah. I took that and then the Georgia emblem on the back. So the tree was kind of the forefront. And then hmm. you had the Georgia state emblem. Sounds corny. It was. It didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I'm like, what, back to nature, growth, you know, trees, tree of life. Oh, man. Tree of knowledge. The tree, the tree of knowledge. <laughs> Can we He's have so the state flag should be the, the live oak falling on Robert E. Lee. <laughs> on Robert E. Lee. That's the state flag. Do we even have to see Robert E. Lee? Like <laughs> <laughs> no. His likeness is nowhere near the flag. How about that? <laughs> oh my God. So yeah. we don't want to take up too much more of your time, but in closing, what are some of your final remarks, your your message to A? Uh, would be actors, because let's talk about, you know, we've talked a lot about the craft of acting today and B, what you want people to take home with them after a night of theater that moves them. Mm. Well, I would say to would be actors, like start understanding your value now and mm. don't let others that being directors, casting directors, theater companies, professors, teachers, anybody try to tell you what your value is because <laughs> that can really mess up you um, uh, in your career. Because honestly, the theater, once when it comes into its actualization of its potential of being a place of imagination, there shouldn't be any like any um, uh, categories of boxes that you need to put yourself into. You can play whatever you want, honestly. like that don't pertain to um, stories that are, you know, telling of, of phrase stories and like, um, I mean, representation always matters. Always, 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 always matters. And also what I mean, you can play anything, like you can play the love interest, you can play the villain, you can play um, the old man, you can play whatever, like, honestly, you play, don't put yourself in boxes. It's a waste of time. I love that. Um, know your value. Yeah. And don't take abuse from anybody. Shut it down and stand up for your other actors too when that happens, yeah. um, because it will, unfortunately, it will happen. Um, then what I would say to people um, to take home after they experience um, a night of theater, if it moves you so much, then let it move you to activate to do something about it. Move you to action. Move you to action. Yeah, because your feelings don't really do anything without yeah. action they do something for you but not outward but not for like yeah exactly if it moves you so so intensely where you want to make a difference then make a difference latoya cameron you're beautiful you're brilliant <laughs> will you hang out with us for a second after we sign off yeah i have a couple of minutes before i have to jump into taking more phone calls i'm not that no, cool we're, we're lucky to get uh, we'll decide what's cool around here and it's you baby <laughs> so that's awesome i'm so glad you took the time wasted some uh, an hour and a half of your time with two schmohawks like us <laughs> never but, waste. uh you had some wonderful things to say about Brilliant. art and yeah 
race and the world at large. So thank you so much. And I look forward to seeing you on the next stage. Yes, absolutely. I can't well, wait to you. see you on stage again. <laughs> thanks for having me. Both of you. Absolutely. Michael, thank you. <laughs> Signing off. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of Hack Attack and the Pharaoh. Catch you next time. Boom. Bye. <laughs> yeah, perfect. <laughs>